0: Laurie met Doug in Brazil and came back and said, there's this guy you really need to meet. And then it took us about three more years. We both served on the board through the Welton Academy transition. And uh, now he and I are like just about, what, every two weeks, we're just get together for lunch. We're in the process of writing a book together on spiritual fathers. Uh, That's been a fun exercise. And I just really appreciate this man's heart and his wisdom, and, and his voice and what's unfolding now in the church globally. So with that, Amen. it's all yours. That's a nice introduction. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's really a privilege always to be able to, to speak. Uh, I really wanted to uh, stop for a moment and thank all the people that work behind the scenes because, you know, I pastored for many years. And the people that really make all this work so that guys like me can get up and, and you know yeah. do our thing. Yeah. Is, so I just want to honor you, you know, those that are working behind the scenes and childcare in the back, the music, you know, the people that really do the work of the, of the ministry, it's you. I, I just want to say thank you, because it gives me a little place that I can be who I am. So I'm, I like the word that the lady came up and said, "Just two things. Just be amazing. And love God, you know, like, so I'm going to do that. I'm just going to be amazing this morning. So let's put that 1st overhead up, and I'll kind of give you an idea of what I want to say to you. And uh, the message is a little bit sneaky, the simplicity of the gospel. And the uh, passage is, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of the devotion of Christ. And last couple of years, as you know, I've retired from pastoring. I've thought, you know, had a lot of time to meditate, and looking at the last couple of years, like, man, what is the gospel? What is what is it to be a Christian? What, like, really, what is it about? And so, I wanted to develop a message that really kind of gives you the pillars of what it is to be a Christian, and what are those truths? What are those things that we can hold on to? You know, because when a flood comes in, you want something that's solid to hold on to, as it. You know, as it happens. So I was thinking about last weekend, I was spending time with my grandson. He's eight years old, and my youngest son got his BB gun out and says, Let's teach Lewin how to shoot a BB gun. So we set some cans up against the bank and we sat on the, on the front porch and, you know, we're shooting cans and having guy time. You know what that is? I don't know if, how you girls do that, but this is guy time stuff, you know, shooting cans. and. Uh, so my, Lewin is taking the gun, and he's like this. And, it, and I said, Lewin, you gotta, you got to look through the right eye, not your left eye. And he kept, I couldn't get him to understand that the left eye is not going to work when you're holding it in your right hand. So I really, it took him quite some time to teach him how to aim properly. And finally, he did. He finally got him to close his eye. And he finally took, he, I said, you got to look down the sights. And you got to make sure that you know, you, this is the mark that you want to hit. He finally got, he got it, he got it cited in, and glorious shooting of cans. we had a great time. Well, that's really kind of prophetic to like this message that I wanted to give this morning. Like for instance, one of the biggest use of the word sin in scripture is harmonia. And it means what? How many scholars out there know what that mean? means? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Right? So we so we gotta learn to aim. Now here's the thing. As a as the father heart ministry that I'm involved in, I was brought up in God's like really looking down on you because you missed the mark. He's probably gonna punish you, he's probably angry. Right? That's wrong. Right. That's absolutely wrong. The father heart is he wants you to hit the mark. Yeah. Right? I mean, imagine that bullseye, he wants you to hit that mark every time, and that's the whole purpose of instruction and discipleship. And teaching in the church is to, to help me, help you, to hit the mark more often. Yeah. And that's what pleases the Father, and that's what brings us joy. So this is kind of what this message is about. So I'm going to kind of sharpen iron a little bit. I'm going to say, I was saying something to a Chopper, one of my spiritual sons, and he, you know he's one of these, uh, he really loves the Word of God. And I said, you know, not all scripture is the Word of God. Man, he backed up. Papa, Doug, what are you talking about? So let me explain it to you. So I'm going to kind of do that kind today. I'm going to stretch a little bit. I want you to think. And, you know, if you want to take notes, that's great. If not, you can just ask the guy in the back to give you a copy of my notes. Because really, all I'm going to do today is show you lots of Scripture and make some commentary on it. So you ready? All right. So Holy Spirit, just help me, help us. To hear what you're saying, because Lord, we want to hit the mark, we want to learn how to aim properly, and we want to have the truth that sets us free. Amen? Amen? So here's the simple discernment of the word. This is so important. So as I study, and you know, if you get to know me, I really like theology. But the problem is, we theologians, we teachers, and preachers and Bible scholars, and you, you, we're, the, we're the biggest problem to the church because we make things so complicated. Have you noticed that? Yep. So I don't want to make it complicated this morning, but it really is profound on what, how we exercise and how we learn to aim and how we shoot truth. So let's look at something simple here. The simple discernment of the word. Now let me say this. The word is inerrant. The word is infallible. The only one that's infallible and unerrant is a person, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that had not come into being. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. (laughs) Hallelujah. And then John, John goes on, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is so incredible, church. The, the whole perspective of God himself almighty coming in humanity is one of the greatest truths and greatest glories that we can grab a hold of and understand. Now, let me sharpen Arn a little bit. Now, I am definitely a Word person. I love the Word of God. But one of the problems in exegeting Scripture is we sometimes we get, we get confused on what the Word is. Because, you know, I hear this blank statement, I'm preaching the Word of God. Well, there's a whole lot of voices out there saying I'm preaching the Word of God. And sometimes that has got a scratch in my head. And I'm saying, man, that's not the Word of God that I'm reading or the Word of God that I know. So let me give you a pillar of how to think properly about exegeting Scripture. And so when I say that all Scripture is not the Word of God, I'll make my point that you don't throw me out, okay? P- Pastor, you're not going to throw me out, right? As a heretic. All right, so look at this simple verse. Romans 10, 17, how many people have heard this, especially if you've been the Charismatic Pentecostal movement? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah, brother. Praise God. I'm preaching the (laughs) Word of God this morning. You know, I heard this expression, just do what the Word tells you, brother, and everything will be all right. I said, well, you know, you should be careful about that, that blank statement, because there's a lot there that I'm not quite sure I agree with. Now, let me be a little bit theological here. The original Greek... Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of of God. Actually, it's the word Christos, not Theos. That's a big difference. So, in the original Greek, what was being said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that what Jesus has to say. See, because when you understand that Jesus is the word, right, in the beginning was the word, it's, it's the Logos. The Logos is the rational thinking of the fullness of the Godhead, almighty that created heaven and earth, everything that's seen and unseen. The mind of the living God was manifested in a person, the Word. So, Jesus fully represents the thinking, the expectations, the perspective, the the whole aspect of why we were created and why we're saved. Jesus is the only one that knows what that purely, truthfully is. My example, um, John 5.39, I didn't have enough time to, I mean, I didn't have enough space to put on here, but basically it's the scripture that I love. said, Jesus said, you search the scriptures seeking truth and it speaks about me and you won't come to me that I can give you life. It's my paraphrase. He was speaking to the the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people. So, you've been searching the scriptures, but they're really about me, right? So what I'm trying to do is show you the difference between what is Scripture and what is the Word. The Word is a person that contains the fullness of the the logos of the mind of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus has to exegete the Scriptures that we can fully understand what the message is to us. My example, remember in Luke, the two men from Emmaus after Jesus had been risen, and they're, they're walking along, and they're going, man, we, we're, really, we're confused what happened. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes up there and recognizes them, and Jesus walks with them for some, some time and opens up the scriptures to reveal them to, to them what the truth was, and he disappears after he, he breaks bread. Okay? So you understand what I'm trying to say here? So it's easy to say, well, just preach the Word of God or just what the Word of God tells you. But if you don't understand that when we look through Scripture, we have to look through the eyes of Jesus because He's the only one that can reveal the Father. Only Jesus can reveal the Father. Okay. Now let me make my point with my Word of God brothers that get frustrated sometimes when I get down to sharpen things a little sharper than what they want. Okay. Here's the word of God, i.e. scriptures. Look at this in Leviticus, right? Here's here's a simple list of Moses' discernment of the word. I'm going to say scripture. Someone takes a human life, he must be put to death. Yeah. If anyone takes the life of an animal, he shall make restitution life for life. If someone injures his neighbor, just as he has done, so shall it be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Just as he's injured a person, so shall be inflicted upon him. There's only one standard for you. It shall be for the stranger as well as for the native. I am the Lord your God. Okay, now here's the voice of God. We're like, this is the Word of God. Now just do what the Word tells you now, Robert. (laughs) right, somebody comes along and breaks your horse's leg as you're out there in the stable. You know what you're supposed to do, right? And if they don't have a horse, I'm really messed up. Kill the cow. Kill the cow. Right? So I, I know this, I mean, I know this is frivolous in, in one sense, but it really is important. It really is important how we handle the scriptures and understand when we're telling someone, you know, just do what the word tells you or just believe the word of God. Well, you know, I could be, I could just got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and I have no idea what, what they do. And a brother said, now just go do what the word of God. And I get in Leviticus and start reading this passage and saying, Man, last week, good, good old Joe, you know, did something to me. I think I'm, I, get, I can go back and really, because I thought to myself, that's probably not right to go and smack him and beat him up like he did what he deserves. But no, the Word of God says I can do that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Yeah, break, some legs. break some legs, right? <laughs> okay, so that, so in other words, what I'm saying is that was Scripture, but that really wasn't the Word of God. Yeah? What do you think, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, not all Scripture represents the Word of God. Yeah. Let me say this theologically. There's a progression of revelation yeah. that has to take place because if that wasn't true, Jesus wouldn't have to come. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. So, here, now, this is the Word that's become flesh. Don't resist an evil person, but whatever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Don't be offended. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who's in heaven will forgive you your transgressions. Let your statement be yes or no. Anything else is evil. Someone forces you to go a mile, go an extra mile. Someone asks you to give something, don't turn him away if he wants to borrow from you. Love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that mistreat you. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So this is the living word. This this is the rhema. This is the the logos become flesh to say, now I have come in the fullness of the Godhead to express what truth really is. Now, when you read the scriptures, because all scripture is God-breathed, it's worthy for, you know, Teaching and reproof and all that—we know that. But if we don't have the right glasses to look through, to rightly divide the truth, we can really get in trouble ourselves, and we can put other people on, on a track that is really not the truth. I know this—I know this is simplistic, but I feel like I feel like this is an apostolic message. Like I know when I go to Africa. I always tell a story about John, who was 110 years old, and they would bring him in every Sunday on a chair, he couldn't walk, and he'd sit him down, like, you know, Father John, give us a word. And Father John goes, eh, eh, uh, little children l- love one another. You know, that was the word. They take him out. Some upstart young man got up, you know, just graduated from high school or college, thought he knew everything. Says, Brother John, why do you tell us the same thing week after week? There's gotta be more. Man, the place got quiet. You could hear a bend drop. John looks up, smiles at the young man. He says, because the Lord has commanded it. You know what I'm saying? That's the simple gospel. That's the word of God. And that's what we have to be about. It's the simplicity of the gospel. Right? God so loved the world. That he sent his one begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. How many people believe in Jesus? Because I'll do an altar call afterwards if you don't, if you don't <laughs> want to raise your hand. That's enough. It has it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. But the problem is, again, it's it's theologians and Bible teachers and you know, people that write a bunch of books that they make it so complicated sometimes we forget the simplicity. Of the message and the gospel. And what I'm doing is I'm giving you a, a simple way to think properly as you read the scriptures so that you can take into yourself truth but also give it away. Because yeah. I want you to be a good evangelist when you're sharing the gospel with people. So, what is the simple gospel? How many people want to know? I think this is it. I think this is the foundation of the gospel. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, so that through death he might destroy death, the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. Hallelujah. The gospel, the good news is that Jesus has defeated death. I mean, that's good news. I mean, when you're talking to someone, it's not about, hey, do you know where you're going to go tonight if you would die? Well, heaven or hell, where do you think you're going to go? That's, Let me tell you the gospel. Well, you know, I'm not saying that's not, not true, but that's not really the gospel. The gospel is about life. Come on. Yeah. Jesus has defeated the one who brings death. And I'm not only talking about one, one great day by and by, you know, another thousand years from now, whenever we're going to be all be raised from this hallelujah. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. But I'm talking about the life today. Today is the day of salvation. The day is the life that we have within us that we can give away to other people. And that's good news. You know, the big issue now about abortion, I've always been apolitical in my ministry because I've always preached the kingdom. Because there's some parts of some group I really agree with, and some parts of the other group I agree with, and I don't agree with everybody. And not everybody agrees with me. Yeah. But this is one thing we can agree on, like when there's abortion, that life is precious. Yeah. For the baby and for the mother. Yeah. And for the, the sperm donor. For, for the mother and the father. Like, yeah, the life that's in Jesus is for everyone. And that's what we should be about, is releasing life in every circumstance. Not judging but declaring the life that's in Jesus. I, I get excited about this, guys. I really do. I mean, it's like, calm down here. But I get so excited about, the, like, the grandiose truth of this, that Jesus has defeated the devil. He's defeated death. I mean, last week I did a funeral for uh, a guy my age. He just turned 70. Well, I've got a couple more months. i got at least... 10 months according to the biblical calendar. Three score and 10. So I got about 10 months guaranteed. Hallelujah. So I can get away with anything for at least 10 more, 10 more months. Hallelujah. And I'm, and I'm doing this funeral. <laughs> I'm willing to be 101. I promise. All right. And, you know, and I'm doing this funeral and I had did this man's son's funeral four years ago and he had overdosed. And so now I have the, the wife, the mother, and surviving do- uh, sister and brother in the family. And like, what am I gonna say to comfort them? And the agony and the pain. And all I could tell them is what I'm telling you right now. Yeah. This is this is what I do know. They're alive. Because yeah. Jesus has defeated death. That's all I know. That's all I can comfort you with because I know it's I can't, I don't have enough fancy words to take the pain from me, but I can tell you this right now, they're dancing in heaven, they're alive. Because Jesus defeated death. For since by one man death came, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, but also in Christ all will be made alive. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father. When he has abolished all rule, And all authority and all power, he must reign until he's put the last of all these enemies under his feet. The last enemy will be abolished, will be death. So we can all agree that there's parts of our life that are dying. (laughs) There is some death in our lives, in our thoughts, in our families, and just our everyday. But the good news is that the life of Jesus that's in us triumphs over that. So, if you're not a believer today, do I have good news for you? Whatever's dead in your life, Jesus can make it alive. He can make you alive. Now, theologically, i got to get my theo- good theology in here. This, uh, this is so important for you to understand about your relationship with Jesus, about the incarnation, about Him becoming flesh, about Him defeating death. There's a, a phrase in, in the early fathers Uh, they, They said this constantly to try to help people understand what salvation was all about. And they said, what is not assumed is not healed. Anybody ever heard that? What is not assumed, I mean to take, to be completely taken in. What happened when Jesus became incarnate, he assumed all of humanity's problems, conflicts, and even their design on how they think, how they operate, the emotions. Everything that, that we encounter in our humanity, Jesus encountered from the moment of conception, from the moment of conception till His last breath and He died, and He descended into hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus experienced all of the frailty, all of the struggle, all of the challenges of what you and I go through. That's what Hebrews says, we have a high priest that we can't come to, you know, when we, when we have problems. He's been tempted and always yet without sin. But that's really good news because see what this means is is that Jesus is a person. He's just not some God sitting upon a big throne somewhere. Yes, he's Lord of lords, King of kings, and we should be worshiping and bowing and throwing our crowns and being with the angels saying, holy, holy, holy. But there's another aspect of Jesus and his humanity that when he resurrected and sent it back and he's sitting at the right hand of God, he's still a person. With person thoughts, with human thoughts, with human conflicts. He understands what it is to be abandoned. He, know, he knows what it is to lose someone he loves. He knows what it is to have to resist, not to turn the other cheek, because he could have called down 10,000 legions of angels. He struggled with every per- aspect of our lives, and he defeated them. That's what death is. He defeated death. So everything that's going on in your life, good, bad, and ugly, Jesus can say, I understand. And so when he cried out on the cross, Oh, my God, you know, why are you forsaking me? It wasn't that the Father separated from Him. That's, that's wrong theology. That's wrong theology. What was happening was Jesus was experiencing our humanity to be lonely and desolate and separated. And He cried out in His humanity, my God, my God. Why, well, forsaken? Because we've all been there, haven't you? Yeah. Ha- I mean, we could all say like we're just great, spirit-filled Christians, man. There's times when I, when I, I'm weeping on my knees. God, where are you at, Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Or, why didn't you do this? Why, you know? But that's part of the. Jesus understands that. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That's good news. That's the gospel. He's defeated death. Say that phrase again. It's not as- what, what is not assumed is not healed. In other words, every aspect that you need healing in, Jesus has encountered it and experienced it. That's that's good news. That's the word. That's the word of God. See, Jesus is the only one that's inerrant and infallible. The word. Amen, period. Well, I could stop right there. That's good. Okay, a simple promise for eternal life. God so loved the world, we said that John 3, 16 will not perish. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, I love this. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's this simple it's not about being perfect. It's not about trying to please God. It's not trying to say, well, God won't love me until I hit the mark every time. It's about stepping into him who is life. If I could, if, if I could give you a picture of eternal life, and it's a circle, and Jesus is in the center, because see, only he who is immortal can give you immortality. You can't work it up. You can't earn it. You, you can't figure it out. You can't find it on your own. It's in a person, right? That's why. And Timothy says, "But now it's been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Through the gospel, and that word there in the Greek actually means it will never corrupt. Like if I had a nice, nice banana just came off the banana tree and be nice and yellow and sweet." And I, would, I could peel it and eat it, and be so juicy and, and yummy, right? I throw it out in the heat for two hours and I come back, what, what is it? It's ugly and brown and, and corrupted. This is eternal life. You never are thrown out to get ugly and brown and have no flavor. You remain full of life. That's the gospel. Jesus defeated death. There is no longer corruption, but you have to step in the circle. Right? I wish that you all were not saved, actually, this morning, because I'd have you all come and say, all right, how many people want salvation? Get in the circle with me. How many people want eternal life? Get in the circle with me. Because you can't have immortality unless you're in the circle with with me and Jesus. It's your choice. Do you want death or do you want life? I mean, that's good news. This is good news. And I'm telling you, (laughs) It's so fun being an evangelist in places where they don't know Jesus, and, I can, and I, I can express the gospel like this. Everybody comes running, because I don't have to use fear yeah. to yeah. manipulate people. I get so tired of people using fear to manipulate people to come to the altar. Yeah. You know, we're called to put something into people, not to take something out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. We're called to put something into people, not take it out. I call that the theology of displacement, but that's what Jesus does. He comes into our life and displaces death because he's defeated death. There is no death in him. There is none. There's no death in Jesus. If you're in the circle with Jesus, there is no death. There is no corruption. There's only life and life abundantly. That's what the world needs to know basanda. Come on, Jesus. Uh, Like, all I'm trying to do is is to give you some pillars of thought that you can can clearly express the gospel to a world that is is hungry for life. They're hungry for love. They're hungry. And, and, And we've got to stop this wagging of the finger. Like, if you don't quit doing this, God's going to do that. And if you don't, you know. I know, I just get so frustrated sometimes when I listen to people on YouTube, because I listen to a lot of different people. Well, you know, when you're like me, I'm retired now, and so I I don't get to go to church as much as you guys do, so I listen to a lot of YouTube speakers, and I'm curious about everything. I mean, I I get set up here today and just kind of, you'd laugh at me, but I'm just curious about a whole lot of different things, and like, why do people believe that? And I'll actually research, like, why do you believe that? And I, sometimes I laugh, sometimes I cry. Sometimes I get mad. But I don't sin, Bob. <laughs> but that's the promise. You know, when someone says, well, you, you just recited John 3, 16, what does that mean to believe in Jesus? And what does it mean to be eternal life? I, know, I mean, we're supposed to know that. We've been Christians for how many years? But if you're talking to someone that doesn't, have a background, you've got to be able to explain that. So, well, let me describe it to you. There's a circle. Everything outside that circle is dead. Every, everything that's in circle is, is life, and Jesus is the only one that's got it. If you want life eternally, if you want to be immortal, you have to step in the circle with Jesus because he died. <laughs> Come on. That's easy enough, right? I've shared that many times on Outreach. Oh Lord. Where are we going to go from here? Let me see. I don't want to... Here we go. Let me talk about this a little bit too. Simple prayer for salvation. Now remember, I'm talking about life. I'm talking about resurrection. I'm talking about Jesus became incarnate and encountered all that would bring us death in humanity. Right? This simple prayer of salvation. When I was doing outreach and I had people that were out training for outreach, I said, please don't use the sinner's prayer. Again, another heretical statement. <laughs> people already know they're sinners. They need good news. They need to know that they can be delivered from what's what's killing them, which is sin. They, they, they already know they're dying. I don't need to remind them. They need some good news. And the good news is that if you get in the circle with me and Jesus, you can have eternal life. And what's bringing death in your life can come forth and be fruitful and alive. That's That's the prayer of Romans 10, 9, and 8. I said, if you're going to be leading people to the Lord, lead them to this prayer. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. In other words, you have to, if you want life, you have to believe that 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 God that's in the circle was raised from the dead and he has all of life in his person. It's not in the scriptures, it's in the person. The scriptures show you the person so that you can step in the circle and receive the gift and the promises. I love this one too. John 16:8 8, 8 through 11. And Jesus is ready to leave and he and he t- Here, Here's another pillar. I really want you to get this pillar, guys, all right? This this is so packed with good theology. Jesus telling disciples, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world. Holy Ghost conviction, sister, hallelujah. Are you under conviction yet, brother? Praise God, I'm preaching the word of God. Feeling it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Repent right now. If Jesus would come right now and he see you, what's going on in your head, you'd go to hell right now. <laughs> I mean, when I was a young Christian, I'd up, that's how I was like, man, I'm trembling like, oh, my God, like, what do I do? You know, I'm, I'm scared to death. Come run up and say the sinner's prayer, and you'll be saved. Hallelujah, and you'll just love life. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's just a little backlash from the past. <laughs> Look what the Holy Spirit has come to do. Look at this concerning sin. What's sin? Because they don't believe in me. Well, why would that be so because the sin is rejecting him? That means you're not in a circle. Yeah. And all you have to look forward to is death. Yeah. Who wants that? How many people want death? Raise your hands. How many people want life? All right, come in the circle, get in with me. You see? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Because He He's the administrator of the Father. The Father loves you. And has so much passion for you as children, and the Holy Spirit is the administrator of the Father's kingdom. (laughs) What's the second thing? Concerning righteousness. Righteousness, because I go to the Father, no longer you will see me. What's that mean? He resurrected. You're not going to, that's what right, that's what being right with God is understanding, that that He's defeated death. That's why you say the prayer in Romans, 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's been raised from the dead, you'll be saved. You're in a circle. Hallelujah. That's what righteousness is. It's not about your right doing. It's what he's done right. Mm -hmm. And he's defeated death. And concerning judgment. I love this. because the ruler of this world has been judged. And that word means to be pulled out and called into question. Jesus expires his last breath. He's experienced and encountered all the frailty and death and sickness that humanity can have. And he's in hell. I'm not quite I know he spoke good news to those, the captives, but I can tell you one thing. He told the devil, come here with me. <laughs> See, the devil was called into question, and he was the one that was defeated. Yeah. Jesus defeated Satan, mm-hmm. who had the power over death. Yeah. That's judgment. Judgment's not about the wagging finger of you or saying, you've missed the mark again, girl. No treats for you today. How am I doing, Robert? Doing good. Wonderful. Doing good. I know I call this message the simplicity of Christianity, but it should be simple enough that we can understand the foundations or the pillars of what we believe. And that's really all I'm doing today is trying to give you some tools to help you think about what you receive, and what you can give away. Let's see if I can get one more out of here. Here we go. I'll end with this one because i got a couple more, but I think I'm going to end with this one. A simple rule of judgment. God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Of course, everyone at this house knows what Zozo is. (laughs) Here again, that's that word crino. God didn't send Jesus to call you into question. (laughs) And that's what we've been taught most of our life. (laughs) That you're being called into question. You're being called into the principal's office. Let me tell you this. At the Passover... When the covenant people are coming out of Egypt, and they're told to put the blood on the doorpost, in the, the sidepost, because the angel of death is going to pass over, let me ask you a question. When the, the angel of death passed over, was anyone asked to come outside to be questioned about anything other than, do you believe me, that if you put the blood on the doorpost, you'll be fine? Yeah, right? Here, see, here's the, here, here this, is, this is your goal as a disciple. If you want to be like Jesus, and when you're ministering to people, your job is not to call them into question and figure out how many bad things they've done and how you can convince them that they need to repent or they're going to go to hell. Your job is, is to displace what's going on in their life with life. That should be in you if you're a born-again Christian. And the resources you have in your hand. Now, we also have to look at verse 18 in the third chapter of John. He believes in him is not judged. In other words, John 3:16 is enough. Yeah. There's no more questions they're going to be asked. I believe in Jesus. I believe we'll have eternal life no matter how deep your spiritual knowledge is, or your, your doctrine or theology. The simplicity of that one truth is enough, and he'll never call you into question to say, well, now, let me make sure you really got this down. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Here's the other side of it. But he who does not believe has already been called into question because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, what was sin? Sin. Missing the mark, but what was sin? When the Holy Spirit comes into the world, what was sin? They don't believe in me. See, I'm just trying to pull this, like, sew this up real tight for you. Sin is just rejecting life, rejecting Jesus. That's all it is. So, in other words, you've already been called into question when you've rejected life. So, if I say you want to come in the circle, and I've done explained to this, and you say no... Well, then you've already been called into questions because you already answered your own question. (laughs) I reject life. (laughs) This is judgment, that light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. So it's that simple. If you're going to be sharing the faith, If you just take some of these basic ideas I'm giving you today and to say, this is the word of God. It's a person. He defeated death. If you'll step in the circle with him, he's the only one that has immortality because only God's immortal. You're not. If you'll step in the circle with him, he'll breathe upon you and you'll be born again. Right? That's what being born again is. Right? When the disciples first came to Jesus after he was resurrected, he comes upon them. And what does he do? First thing he he does, he didn't say, let me ask you guys a bunch of questions. Why did you forsake me? Why did you leave me? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? No. He comes along and goes, (sighs) receive the Holy Spirit. See, the life that the Father breathed in Adam from the very beginning now was breathed back into them. By one man came death, by the other man came life. He came a spirit-giving being. OK, does this make sense? Yes. Will you think about it and use it? And when you share the gospel with some people, when you think about scripture, when you think about life and death, when you think about what is the gospel, think about these things. Now, now that's a lot of scripture. If you guys want to ask the powers to be in the back, feel free to email this out to anybody that wants it. So that's really my heart is let's, let's understand the, the simple message, but let's keep the message the message. Let's keep it straight. Let's keep it in the circle where it belongs so that we can encounter more of his life day by day. So, Holy Spirit, thank you. Yes. I've really enjoyed myself. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to, to share the scriptures that reveal the word. And I just ask your blessings to people in the house and all the people that are here today, especially all these young people. I'm really glad the young people are here today because they've heard so much about religion that they're kind of, you know, they're not that excited. But I want them to get excited about you because you're the only one that has life, true life. And so I thank you, Lord. And, and perchance, Lord, if there's someone here that's really never made that commitment to step in a circle, I just pray that they'd make that decision today and step in the circle with Jesus where there's abundant life. For it's in his name I pray, in the Father's love. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. See why I like hanging out with him.